It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study we're glad you're a part of it tonight this is january 1st uh, january 29th 2009 we are glad you're a part of the program and look forward to your comments you participate by dialing toll-free 877-381-4567 or by sending your questions to questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. I'm joined by my father, Greg Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We look forward to our study here on the Virtual Bible Study. Glad for all our listeners, uh, our our regular Thursday night Internet study group. We're glad that you're here to be a part of it and uh, hope that we have some things to say tonight that will be informative and uh, encouraging. So we look forward to a good study. And we do have a crowd that is our regular Thursday night live listening crowd, but we also have a large crowd that does not listen live. We ought to spend a few minutes telling them about uh, some things that they can find out. Perhaps they've never even been to our website. Maybe their podcast receiver receives our podcast file every week and they've never visited our website. They should visit collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can get there either way and there's a lot of good study materials available at the, at collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. The, the Check those out. And we do appreciate those people who listen, Jacob, uh, after the fact. In fact, our listening audience is greater after the fact than live. We're glad for all those who pick up the podcast or who go and download the archived version off of our website. We're glad for those who listen after the fact, and we encourage you to keep doing that. Tell others about it. Uh, it's a good resource. I know some people, Jacob, who either get the podcast or download it themselves, the archive off the website, and they listen to it during drive time. They, you sure. know, if they've got a commute or something, it's better than listening to the radio and to some of the stuff that's on the radio. So that's that's a, an idea. Okay, excellent. Yes. And uh, also, while you're not – well, yeah, I just thought it sort of sounded funny. You said it was better than the radio. I mean, you're, you're talking about yourself there. But, I, you know, it's better subject matter. There you go. The, 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 yeah, the, the talent is not as good as what you would hear on commercial radio. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're, if you're not listening live, you may think that you can't join in on the discussion. You certainly can. We would love to hear from you anytime you listen to this program or any of our programs. If you have a comment about something you hear, send us an email, or you could even give us a call. We'd love to talk with you, or we could just include your comments in a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And, and one of the things we do is we, we were we would be glad to hear from you about topics you'd like to hear covered, questions you'd like to hear discussed. Sometimes if if we can't build a whole program around a, a, a question or a suggestion, we keep those. And then, you know, every once in a while we sort of have one of our smorgasbord programs where we deal with several different topics. And so um, we'd be glad for, for you to send us either ideas about things you'd like to hear discussed or questions that you'd like to hear discussed. And we'll, we'll definitely put it in the mix. That's not saying we'll do it next week, but we'll put it in the mix and see when it comes up. But having said that, we especially appreciate our live listeners because they can participate with us while we're discussing the subject matter at hand. That's right. And we look forward to hearing from you tonight. And we want to talk about an important subject that it's important 
for some reasons that may not be obvious. Yeah, Tell but, us what the subject is about tonight. Well, we want to talk tonight about preachers. We, we You know, as a preacher, I, I'm pretty sensitive about discussions about preachers, and we have actually neglected to do that. It's obviously an important Bible subject. And so I thought it'd be worthwhile, and I suggested it to you, Jacob, and you agreed, although... Uh, you had to sell it to me. I a had to bit. sell you on a little bit. But you but know, I, it's it, we're talking to. Let's say that an average uh, congregation has a hundred people, maybe an average congregation has a preacher. So we're talking to less than one percent, maybe one percent of our potential listening no, audience. No, wait a minute. Maybe one percent of the people are preachers, but the other ninety-nine percent need to know what to look for exactly. in preachers and preaching, and how they should react both positively and negatively toward things that the preacher. Might be doing. So there's subject matter here for all of us. Everybody to needs to okay. be concerned about the topic. So earlier today, uh, to our update list, we always remind you at the start of the program how this works. If you'd like to be on our update list, send us your uh, just send us an email message, questions at collegeview.com. Say add me to the list. We'll add you to the list. And then on Thursdays, usually just shortly after noon, we send out a, an email telling you what our topic, our proposed topic for discussion is that night. And putting out a couple questions, uh, sometimes maybe more than two, but typically two or three questions, trying to get some initial feedback on a, on the topic. And we did that today to our update list. And we asked these questions. What do you see as the most common and most serious abuses that are made by preachers in the religious world today? So we're looking for abuses, the things that preachers are doing that are wrong. Number two how are preachers sometimes abused by people of the world and or by churches? So, number one, what are some of the things that you see preachers doing that they ought not to do? Number two, what are some of the ways that you see preachers being misused or mistreated or abused that brethren need to think about and be careful about in regards to how they relate to preachers? So those are the two questions we want to talk about right. in our study tonight. How does a preacher abuse the position? How does the position get abused? We'll listen to your comments at 877-381-4567. Call right now and join in on the discussion or send your emails to those questions are, at collegeview.com. Those are a couple of simple questions, but we certainly would like to hear your input on them. I thought we might spend some time, Jacob, initially talking about what the scriptures refer to as the work of an evangelist. So let's look at a passage, and maybe we can sort of use this as a basis of some thoughts about preachers and their work. It's an important passage in First, or excuse me, Second Timothy chapter four, beginning at verse one. Second Timothy chapter four, beginning at verse one. Remember, of course, that Timothy was an evangelist; he was doing the work of a preacher, and Paul, who was I guess we'd probably use the word today, Jacob. We'd say that Paul was Timothy's mentor. He's the one who had taught and trained him and encouraged him and helped him. They were co-workers, but Paul was certainly the older man in the in, among the two, and he had been a strong influence on Timothy. And here's what he told him. Remember, this is interesting. Second Timothy is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. It was penned near the end of his life, shortly before he was executed by the Roman government. Here's what he said to Timothy. I charge thee, Second Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, the instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. One of the things that I believe we see there, Jacob, is 
what he was instructed or or charged to do. He was to preach the word. Uh, a lot of I, I think a lot of times there are people that are regarded as preachers and they spend very little time at all in the word. They don't spend much time talking about what the word says. It's it is not uncommon, for instance, in some religious groups. For the preacher to stand up and and he may only make passing reference to the scripture one or two times in a half hour, 45 minute long sermon. Well, if he's not referencing the word and if he's not establishing his points based upon the truth taught in the word of God, what is he preaching? He's not preaching the word. Seems like he's preaching his own opinion if he's not, you know, referencing the word of God. You know, Paul gives similar instruction to Titus, another evangelist in Titus chapter 1 beginning with verse 14, or beginning with verse 13, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. There are a lot of so-called preachers today who are preaching those fables and those commandments, those the, the advice and the teaching of men and neglecting God's instruction for us. Exactly right. We see Paul's own attitude in regard to what he would preach in Romans chapter 1 beginning verse 14 he said i am debtor both to greeks and to bar- to the barbarians both to the wise and to the unwise so as much as is in me is i am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at rome also for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the jew first and also the greek paul felt himself a debtor felt obligated to be teaching but he wasn't he wasn't interested in teaching his own opinion or think so. He says, I'm a debtor to preach the gospel, and I'm ready to do it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he said. And there are preachers who are, a matter of fact, ashamed of the gospel. They think if you use a lot of scripture in your sermons that it is sort of like a crutch, and it's and it's not effective if you're just relying on what God has revealed in his yeah, scripture. Yeah, I've even heard people demean it, use a term, term that's meant as a demeaning term. They call it proof texting. You know, you make a point and then you read a passage of scripture that shows that the point that you just made is a valid one from the word of God. And some would cast off on that as saying it's proof texting. Now, I understand that you, you should not be taking passages out of their context, trying to trying to prove a point by taking a passage out of its context. But by simply referencing the scripture to 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 emphasize that this is not just your opinion, but this is the 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 point made from the word of God that is not wrong we should not be ashamed to do that if if we're not doing that then what we're effectively doing is just preaching our own opinions and we um, you know my opinion or yours is not any better than the next guys if it's just our personal opinions i mean i've got opinions about things you do too and most everybody does but if we're just preaching opinions why should anybody pay any attention to ours over somebody else's certainly and you you hear sermons, you know, now with the age of the Internet, you can listen to sermons from a variety, variety of uh, denominations and, and other churches, and you can hear sermons where just passing references are made to the Scriptures, and when they reference the Scriptures, if they do it all, they'll paraphrase them and uh, just then skip on to the rest of what they wanted to say, as if they're just throwing a bone to those people in the audience who want to hear some Scripture when they come to hear a sermon but they'd rather just tell their stories and their fables and their their men's philosophies. I don't know about you, Jacob, but when I prepare an outline to preach a sermon, if at the end I step back and I look at that outline and there's not very many scriptures in it, I get busy going back there and finding some more. 
because I want to make sure that the sermon is full of Scripture because that's that's what matters. Quite frankly, that is what's valuable in it. Your thoughts are not nearly as valuable as what you'll present in the Scriptures. Exactly right. So the first thing that Paul told Timothy was to preach the word. That's the emphasis. That's what he was supposed to be doing. Then notice he, the text goes on, be instant in season and out of season. I think the implication of that is that there's sometimes when you be well received, but there are other times when people will not like to hear what you are saying. And that being the case, you need to be prepared to preach it when it's popular or when it when it's well received and even when it's not. The idea is be constant and consistent. Exactly. When someone hears you preach, you're going to preach the word. We know that's what you're going to preach because it is your your, your practice. It's going to be in season and out of season. You're going to preach the word. It, yeah, and sometimes people don't like to hear it. To Notice an example. i got an example that I want to reference in Acts 14. Uh, as Paul was on his first missionary journey, one of the places where he was, it says the people saw, when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lycaonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And then it says Paul and Barnabas scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice to them. So I think at that juncture, you would have to say that Paul and Barnabas were incredibly popular with the people and they were even, the people were even wanting to worship them as gods. Of course, Paul and Barnabas wouldn't allow that. But then notice what happens. As the text goes on here in Acts 14, it says, There came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, threw him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So it went from the situation where he was so popularly received that they wanted to worship him like a god. He stopped them, of course, wouldn't allow that. But then in just short order, they were so upset at him that they stoned him. Now, supposing that they had killed him. Of course, he came back to life, I think, probably miraculously uh, uh, was restored to his health. And what did he do the next day? He says, the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby, And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they went on. He didn't stop. When they received him well, even when they were stoning him. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have to realize is that people may not receive our preaching very well these days, but... I haven't found anybody around, not around these parts anyway, that have been stoned for their preaching. So these these men, like Paul and Barnabas, like Timothy and Titus, they they suffered some real hardships and they wouldn't give up even when they were being persecuted. And one of the reasons why it may be out of season is that next instruction in First Second Timothy chapter four to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And we'll talk about that on the other side of yeah, the break. Yeah, let's, let's take a break and come back and talk about the sort of the positive and negative work of preaching. We want to hear from you. Join in on the discussion. Remember our questions. Number one, what are some of the abuses that preachers make? Number two, what are some of the ways preachers are abused? Get in now. We'll be back after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. 
I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We do want you to share your comment with the world. You can do so by calling 877-381-4567 or by sending your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the work of an evangelist tonight and the abuses of the position and how the position is abused. We want to hear your comments along those lines. We talked about before the break the fact that Paul and and uh, Barnabas had uh, gone from a point of popularity to a point of being stoned. And part of that may have been the message that they preached. Yeah. Notice what what the message is supposed to include. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Jacob, I think it's pretty easy to say that, that that means that he was to spend time dealing with negative things. Also positive, he should do some positive encouraging. Notice the, the, the literal meanings of these words. The word rebuke means to convict, to call attention to remissiveness, usually with kindly intent to correct or, or assist. In other words, that's correction. You're having to tell somebody they're wrong and they need to correct, but it, it's done in a kindly way. But then it gets stronger. The word rebuke says means to disprove of wrong, to criticize sharply, this is where you're really convincing them of where, their error. Where, where, the, where, you're, where you're really, uh, I guess the expression that we would use is probably really stepping on some toes, really telling them in pretty strong terms that they're wrong and they need to correct. But then the third but, term, go ahead. We'll talk about the attitude that you need to do that in later on. Yeah. But they're, they're certainly, you, you, this is not a, you get out the punching bag and you wear them out just for the pleasure of wearing them out. And some people have, some people get pleasure. That might be of, one of the abuses that preachers okay, make that we right. want to talk about. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. But then the third thing, so you got to reprove, which is kindly correction, rebuke, which is a more harsh form of correction, but then beseech, uh, the, the word exhort means to beseech, to call for, to comfort, to entreat, to build up. Uh, it's been pointed out, and I think it's a good way to look at it, that there's three instructions there, two of them are negative. And so really, and I don't know that you break it down percentage-wise, but People complain about too much negative preaching. Paul, Two out of the three things Paul said that, he, that Timothy should do as a preacher involve making corrections, which some people would say is very negative. We've got to deal with negative things. One of the things that people don't like these days is they don't want any negativity. They want everything to be positive. They want every, all, all the preacher sermons to make me feel good. And you can't do that if you're doing the work of an evangelist. A good sermon will cause you to consider your life to compare it to the scriptures, and hopefully give you some things to work on and improve. Yeah, exactly right. Notice what, in regards to both negative and positive, notice what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. He said, See, I have, set, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, notice, to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And you see the same thing there, and it's almost at the same in, in the same breakdown, uh, two thirds negative and a third positive in the instructions that the Lord gave to Jeremiah. So we have got to deal with the negative things. Uh, as preachers, we are not preaching the whole counsel of God if we refuse to deal with the negative things, the things that people need to be told to correct in their lives. If we're just overlooking that, then we're not doing our jobs very well. Um, Paul said. 
uh, and when he spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he said, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 25, Now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the, bro- from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul's, Paul was not afraid that it would come back upon him later and someone say, well, Paul, you never told us. You didn't, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't cover that. We needed to be told to correct that, and you never told us so. Paul wasn't worried about that. He said, I am free from the blood of all men. I'm pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. That's what we got to do. we got to deal with the things that are negative, or else we're not doing our job. All right. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Now, as a preacher reproves, rebukes, and exhorts, you know, those uh, the results of those sermons and those that teaching uh, to try and get people to improve their lives, those results may not be immediate. And as a result, you need to have the characteristic, the preacher must have the character, next characteristic. Hang on just a minute before we go, okay. before you cover that, Jacob. I want to, we've got an email just came in from Arthur in Cullioca, and he mentions Acts 20, 26 and 27, we just read. He also mentions Jeremiah 26, 2, thus says the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. Tell them all the things. Don't leave off anything. And there are people who are avoiding subjects. And there are even preachers that have been instructed, you can come preacher, but don't ever talk about this or, subject and or that I've heard subject. preachers who would say, oh, I, I wouldn't deal with that topic. That's just too controversial. Right. You know, that's not the whole counsel of God. Okay. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you for those comments. Now, as we talk about this reproving, rebuking, and exhorting, Dad, you, you, would, you would like to think that you will see results of that teaching immediately, that you get up, you preach a lesson about this subject that where their correction needs to be made, and you would like to see that correction by the next time you meet. But that doesn't happen. We want it fixed, and we want it fixed right now. You know, that's that's typical. Uh, but Paul encouraged Timothy to have a long-suffering attitude in dealing with these with these kinds of things. Second Timothy 2, verse 24, beginning, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You know, when you when you read that description, he said that he'd be working with people who needed to be recovered out of the snare of the devil who were taken captive by him. You know, th- th- these were some people who had some pretty serious issues going on, and yet Paul still told him to be patient, meek, uh, not, to, not to strive, but to be gentle. So w- we need to have a long-suffering attitude as we preach the word of god uh as you say jacob we shouldn't we shouldn't uh be impatient or uh unnecessarily harsh or mean-spirited in dealing with the problems of the people that we're preaching to preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine the things that you have to suffer long or be long-suffering with are the things that aren't pleasant yeah, it's, you not know, a pleasure. It's, it's not a challenge for me to be long-suffering with a Christian who's really doing a great job. You know, one of the Christians in the congregation who's just 
really striving hard to be all that he can be, he or she, uh, I don't know. There's no challenge to be long suffering with those people. The, the challenge of long suffering is is with those who have problems and they haven't overcome them yet. Right. That's, you, 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 on physical terms, you don't use the word long suffering when you talk about maybe going out for a steak dinner. Yeah. We're going to go out on Friday night and eat steak dinner with all long suffering. Yeah. You, that doesn't. You might uh, say that you're going. We to, got bologna sandwiches again. We're going to have you long suffering. All right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. So let's let's look at our text again. Uh, what we're using is Second Timothy chapter four, uh, where Paul instructed Timothy about the work of the evangelist. Preach the word, he says. Second Timothy four verse one two. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. We we might comment, Jacob, that what too often what people are looking for is somebody to itch their ears. In other words, to tell them the things that they desire to hear, the things that are easy, pleasant to be heard. And lots of preachers are guilty of, of being of that sort. They just tickle the people's ears with the things they like to hear. Uh uh, and Paul Paul even predicted that. He says they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, they're just not going to hear it. They're not going to have it. They won't endure it. But they're going to find people who will come and tell them what they want to hear. The religious world is full of that sort of thing. It's after their own lust. The sins that they want to commit and they don't want to feel bad about, they'll get a preacher who tells them it's okay and tickles their ears and makes them feel just fine. Exactly right. And that, as we said, that's happening. That's happening in large numbers in the religious world these days and people are turned away from the truth and turned into fables or things that are not true but he tells timothy but watch thou in all things and so timothy as a as a preacher of the word was to be watchful watching for dangers aware of potential problems of false doctrines of false teachers the influence that they might have uh, among christians he was supposed to be on the on the lookout for that sort of thing. All right. And that goes back to the reproving and the rebuking. How do you know things that need to be corrected unless you're looking for areas where people's lives don't line up with what the scriptures teach? Yeah. And and when you read that expression that he was supposed to be watchful in these regards, it reminds you of the fairly familiar statement of uh that the Lord made to the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33, beginning verse 2. Notice these words, Ezekiel 33, beginning verse 2. When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Stop there for a minute and notice. You, you assign a man to, to be the watchman. If an enemy might attack, so you set a watchman to, to be on guard against the, a potential attack. If the attack comes and he sounds his trumpet, in other words, he sounds the warning, he did what he was there for, he did his job, then someone doesn't pay attention to the warning and, and he ends up being killed in, uh, because he was unprepared or you know not ready. That's his own fault. He was warned and he didn't get ready. That's his fault. His blood will be on his own head. But notice as the text goes on. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, 
If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore shalt thou hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Now, here, here's the, the thing. If, if the watchman doesn't do his job and doesn't sound the warning when there's real danger and people end up being harmed by the danger, then the watchman's going to be held accountable for that. Well, as lots of people have observed, that really is, is applicable to the work of preaching the gospel of Christ. It's our job to be watchful, to be aware of false doctrines, false teachers, bad influences, and warn people. If we warn them and they don't and, and they don't react and they don't take any measures, that'll be their that'll be their problem. They'll be accountable for that. But if we fail to make the warning, then God's going to hold us accountable. You know, in the book of James, in James chapter three and verse one, I think James said, you know, those who would teach the word of God need to be aware that they are accepting a, a greater degree of accountability. Uh, in James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, he wasn't trying to discourage people from, from taking on the teacher role. What he was saying is, if you're going to do it, be aware of the fact that you're accepting a greater accountability for having done so. All right. And uh, we can go ahead and conclude then. He used to watch... But he's also to endure afflictions. It's not going to be an easy task. Yeah, the end of that passage there uh, in Second Timothy chapter 4 was, uh, Watch thou in all things. Let me read that again. Watch thou in all things. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You've oh, left off, me, watch, endure yeah, afflictions. Watch, all, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of their ministry. Um, there may be some hardships to bear. You know, it's just not fair weather work. Uh, if if there are hardships to be borne in the course of doing this work, then the one who would do this work of an evangelist must be willing to accept those hardships. And there are plenty of examples, Jacob, by the way, of, of those who did suffer. For instance, let me let me reference Acts chapter 5 concerning the apostles. Just shortly after the church had begun in Jerusalem, it says the apostles, when they called the apostles, Acts 5 verse 40, they beat them and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So here were some men who proclaimed the word of God, and they certainly suffered the hardships and were glad to do it. They said they were, it says that they were, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame uh, for his name. We need to have that attitude. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com. Time for this week's Bullet Point. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. When the Apostle Paul preached his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, his teaching received three distinct reactions. Notice the reading here from Acts 17, beginning verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Do you see it? Some rejected the teaching immediately. Others procrastinated or withheld judgment and did nothing. But some enthusiastically accepted the truth and acted upon it. 
The same three reactions are in evidence to this day when people hear the preaching of the gospel. Consider this scenario. The preacher preaches a hard sermon that exposes sin and worldliness. It's one of those sermons that steps on toes and hits close to home. Some folks will grow angry. The things taught suggest the need to change, and they're not willing to do so. They are happy to hear preaching on things they already agree about, but if a lesson contradicts their existing views or practices, they get mad. They are like those in Athens who mocked. Some other folks will hear this same sermon, and while it plainly shows that there are things they need to change in their life, they postpone any action. These are the ones who commend the preacher as they go out the door saying, I really needed that, or you really stomped on my toes today, and yet they do nothing. They continue in their former ways, effectively saying, we will hear thee again of this matter. Thank God that there are those who are tender-hearted, those who are always looking to bring their life into closer harmony with the will of God. These are the folks who, upon hearing the truth, respond by putting it into practice in their lives. If it means changing from what they have previously believed, they will do so. Their commitment is to the Lord. Serving Him is their first priority. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Now we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number. We pay the bill, so pick up your phone. And let's talk or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts about abuses that preachers make in their position, but also the ways that preachers get abused. We want to talk about those two topics now for the remainder of our program. Right. We got an email coming in. Uh, Arthur sent in another scripture, Acts 17, verses 2 and 3. Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Pretty good reference there to the work of Paul, but notice he was proving his point from the Scriptures. We talked about that earlier. He wasn't just saying, it is my opinion that Jesus of Nazareth is the Savior. And everybody, I think, would have been welcome to say, so what? We don't care what your opinion is. But when he could show from the scriptures that Jesus was the one, that he had fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, then he had a powerful argument to make, and people had to pay attention to it. Certainly so. You know, one thing we talked about as we... Thank you, Arthur. Thank you for those comments. One thing we, as we looked at the role of the preacher and his his, uh, work, there were some things that were lacking there. I didn't see any description of someone who would be a cheerleader or a social events coordinator, or some, you know, the, the pep talk giver. The, the guy who, he's not, in other words, you didn't see any description of a guy who would organize the trips for the teenagers to uh, Six Flags? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And Timothy, by the way, was a young man or a young evangelist, and so it's notable that there wasn't anything in there, as you know, you know, to, oh, to, to organize the activities of the young people. Today, he would have been relegated to the youth minister. Yeah, where he was doing the he was doing the social stuff. You you do that for a few years, Timothy, and then maybe you can graduate and you can be the pulpit minister. Yeah, but you got to serve your time uh, playing with the with kids, soft, getting the softball league organized, and and making sure that the the pizza party on the first Sunday night 
is always, you know, ready to go. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go to these questions. We have not yet got to our questions, and we're interested to hear from you. Um, what do you think are some of the abuses of preachers? Our good friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, says uh, the most common. We're going to do. The, we're going to cover this first question first. What do you think are the most common and serious abuses made by preachers in the religious world today? He says, I think it was John MacArthur who said that the biggest sin of preachers is laziness. Their jobs are often not defined well, and they manage their own time. So for his first problem that he sees is a problem of them just being lazy. And I, I think that he's exactly right. I think I know some preachers who are lazy. And it does go to the point that they are manage, they, they manage their own time. Nobody's looking over their shoulder. It's not like they're punching a clock. And some just get downright lazy and don't do anything. They're, they're, uh, and, and I think that is a, a big abuse of many preachers, so I would agree. He goes on and says, I suppose another common abuse would be not preaching from the Word of God, but rather preaching sermons based on opinion or other non-biblical text. I like that point too, Randy. Uh, I know some preachers who quote secular authors more than they quote the Word of God. That's just that's an atrocity. I, I, I'm just here to tell you that's an atrocity when that happens. And if you if the church where you attend the preacher, you, you have to honestly say uh, the preacher more often quotes from secular authors, contemporary secular authors, some book that he's read. If he's more often quoting from that than from the Word of God, you got a problem. Or he's got to have that to give credence to what he says. He's got yeah. to say, I've got to have this Ph.D. who says this, and so yeah. that's really what. The scriptures give you credence. You don't need to. You don't. We don't need all that human wisdom. All right. All right. We have a, a email from Keith in Old Hickory, Tennessee. In Old Hickory, Tennessee. He says the most obvious abuse is that of not teaching the whole counsel of God. Too many are aiming at popularity rather than teaching all that God has said on a given topic. Too many see the enticement of the "what do I get out of it" mentality, and so go light on controversy and strong on material gain. The religion of convenience and material wealth is becoming more popular in the religious world and even among some Christians. More to the point within the church, I see too many preachers who look at their job as visiting the sick and studying the scriptures. And while this is all a part of what all Christians should be doing, some are doing little more than that. And speaking, of course, preaching full time is a vocation, not a vacation. We have to think in terms of how we can convert the lost and then go do it. I hear some preachers talking about what they uh, do, and I think, wow, I would like to be paid as much as they are for doing that. Yeah. So uh, how would you summarize his, his objection? I there? think he's he's saying that you can't be, um, to put it on a, in an athletic term, you can't be working out in the gym all day and never go out on the field to play. Yeah. You can't be studying and uh, and talking about, what you would do to convert the law. You need to go out and teach the lost. Okay. So uh, maybe it, he's really emphasizing the idea, where's your focus? Yeah. Maybe And maybe a lot of preachers, he's saying it's a problem with a lot of preachers is they don't have their focus on the right kind of things. Good point. Thank you, Keith. Okay. We got an email from our friend Stephen in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who writes and says, uh, I believe that some serious abuses that preachers make today include working as a preacher only for the money. Their concept <laughs> may simply be that there is not much work involved for the amount of pay that they receive, and they believe it is worth it. Uh, they sometimes have a tendency to waste time by not working effectively. That is, they may work only work on Sunday to get a sermon and also 
on the day for for midweek services, but they do no study at other days. Uh, they just go visit, play golf, etc. Wait a minute, now he's talking about playing golf. Uh, be careful, Stephen. You step now. He's stepping on toes. I'm just teasing, of course. They they also may work as uh, if it is a nine to five job, not willing to work in the evening or in the early morning. In addition, they may live lives that are not the life of a Christian. Preachers also may not be willing to preach on things that may be hard to hear, need to need that need to be heard, uh, and they become satisfied with making the congregation happy. Uh, he says there's probably more. I, I I think every point he makes there is a good one to consider. I do think, by the way, that there are some preachers who are preaching for the money that they you know they see that as an easy way to make a a, a paycheck uh it's uh, they see it as not hard work and potentially maybe they could make more doing that than doing anything else they've not prepared themselves for any kind of work and and if they can find some church willing to pay them that it's it's easier uh, the, the money they can come by that money easier than any other way uh, you they know, don't work hurt. much. They don't do much, but they draw pretty good pay for not doing anything. You know, most preachers don't, uh, and most people don't look at preachers as making an exorbitant amount of money. But maybe it's the man who you talked about who he doesn't have any other skills. It's it's either preacher or you are doing minimum minimum wage job, and so it does earn more money than that, and that might be why they're doing it. I, I think so. We should never, no matter what we're talking about in regards to the money that's involved. Any man who's in it for the money is in it for the wrong reason. If you don't have a commitment to to the work, to the importance of the work, and if you're just in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong thing. If you're late, and he mentions sort of the idea of being lazy, maybe only working just a little bit to get a Sunday sermon and a little bit to get a, a Bible class for Wednesday night. And he also mentions uh, those who won't don't want to preach about things that are hard to for people to to hear the the negative preaching. They just want to be popular. All those points, good, Stephen. We appreciate it. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. The line is open. We'd like to hear from you on the phone tonight. And we got one more here from our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, who says the most serious abuses today are where preachers in the religious world present themselves as more than regular folks. That somehow being a preacher means you are closer to God. Some even teach, such as the Catholics, that preachers or in Catholicism, the priests are representatives of Christ and to be treated as you would treat him. You know, that's an interesting point, and I hadn't really thought about it in connection with our uh, discussion tonight. But the, the, the scriptures nowhere in the New Testament, in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is nowhere where there is this clergy laity distinction that Certainly the Catholics practice that, that there's a distinction between the priests and the the church members. But many denominations, if not officially, at least in practice, uh, have this distinction between the clergy and the laity. And there's nothing in the New Testament that says a preacher is any different than any other Christian in regards to his status or his relationship to the Lord or anything else. But there may be that is a result of preachers who have given that impression that they're somehow yeah. special, they're doing yeah. something more important than anybody else, uh, that they're they're doing more for the Lord than any other member of the congregation, and that simply is not the case. Exactly right. They're not they're not they're not special. They're not doing anything special. They're doing their duty to the Lord. We got one one. We want to do one more email here, Jay. We're coming up on a break, but we got an email from Don in Antioch, who says the abuses of preachers. He says when they purposely sidestep truth 
due to various reasons, but mainly because they do not want to offend people, which will cause the congregation and money to shrink. Also, many preachers today are more concerned about being liked and well thought of. They want to be of good reputation. Now, I think he's using the reputation there, reputation uh, among preachers. Big reputation. Big, big name yeah. preacher, so right. to speak. I think that's what he's talking about. I agree. I think, again, all those points are right on the mark. If, but, you, if you're afraid to preach what's needed because, you know, you want to be popular and you don't want anybody to be offended, you got a problem. But now speaking of reputation, uh, preachers should be of good reputation Titus chapter 2, verse 15, Paul tells Titus, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Right. Don't give anyone a reason to think and badly. And some preachers of, don't do that. With their work ethic, with their, their maybe their but behavior. moral, Even moral behavior. Okay. We've known of preachers who have been unbelievably immoral people. and that's, Or I mean, just give the impression of immorality by maybe some of the you ways. You can't think of a thing hardly more damaging than that to the cause of Christ. All right. So we do have to have a good reputation. Uh, but we don't want to be looking out just to make a name for ourselves. I think that's the gist of Don's email there. Yeah. We've got one more break to go, and then we'll take it to the top of the hour. We look forward to hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ by visiting collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com or better yet, come and visit with the College View Church of Christ Sunday mornings at 9:30 a.m. for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship at 10:30 on Sunday mornings and also at 6 p.m. On Sunday evenings, you can worship with the College U Church of Christ to find out more about what the College U Church of Christ believes and practices. We're talking about the role of preachers tonight and the way that uh, the preacher should behave, the work that he should be doing. And we need to talk about the ways that preachers are abused. That would be an important topic yeah. to talk about. Yeah, we were we talking that our, our first point was about some of the abuses that preachers uh, make, some of the things they do that are wrong. Let's talk about the other side of that coin. Let's talk about some sometimes how preachers themselves are abused, Jacob. I think it's something, you know, and here again, you were saying maybe only 1% of God's people are preachers, if that. But 
the other 99% need to know how to relate to preachers. And so, and the Bible talks about that. And the phone line is still open, by the way, at 877-381-4567. Give us a call. And we still have time to take your emails at questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we got uh, Randy's thoughts on this, how preachers are sometimes abused. He says, churches often abuse their preachers by expecting them to live on far less money than most of the church members. Also, churches expect the preachers will work long hours and respond to their needs no matter what time of the day. Another problem is that church members sometimes think that gossiping is wrong except when it is about the preacher. Interesting observations there. I do think, you know, I mean, the the scriptures teach that the laborer is worthy of his hire. And so we understand that, that preachers uh, have the, the scriptural right to receive pay for their work. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so it, it is a biblical principle. It's right to pay the preacher. Uh, and if it's right to pay the preacher, if he's to live of the gospel, and that's the expression there, 1 Corinthians 9, 14, he is to live of the gospel, then I would say that he, he is to make a fair living of the gospel, he, uh, certainly not exorbitant or excessive, but he should be able to live so that his needs are met and he's not worried constantly about m- making ends meet, so to speak. He can devote himself to the work. And so, uh, as as Randy says, sometimes people expect the preachers to live on far less. That uh, And uh, through the years, I think I've known some brethren who think it is their particular god-given responsibility to make sure the preacher's not overpaid uh you know they're not worried about much else but they sure don't want to see the preacher making more than he ought to make it it, it doesn't sound like paul was having to scratch out what he was sometimes he did but He's, but but notice in uh in philippians chapter 4 verse 16 for even in thessalonica you sent once again unto my necessity not because i desire a gift but i desire i desire fruit that may have abound to your account, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor and a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He had more than enough based on what they had supplied. Well, but he said just a few verses earlier in verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. In all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. He had, he had been at both ends of the spectrum. But it wasn't wrong for right, him to, exactly. to abound. Right, exactly. That, that's the yeah. Okay. All right. Good point. I, I think uh, Randy's on the mark there. Uh, sometimes there's unreal. He's saying there's unreal, unrealistic expectations about how uh, the hour, long hours and all times of the day and night kind of things that that they might expect the preacher to drop everything and just jump when when he's called at whatever time. Uh, Right. And uh, and sometimes another abuse of preachers is gossiping about them. I, I think Randy's got good points there. Thank you, Randy. All right. Uh, Keith in Old Hickory has sent in. I fear the, that one of the things that happens is the negative aspect of preachers caught up in moral wrongs impacts uh, the way the world looks at all preachers. So many people whom I come into contact automatically assume that I must be just like their stereotype of preachers from being called by some title to the type of money being paid to us. I also think that churches can abuse preachers by demanding of them to do all the work that everyone should be doing. And then if the church doesn't grow, it becomes the preacher's fault. We are a congregation and all have work to do. If there is failure, it is because we are not are all not doing what God has instructed for us to do. I as well, however, I hope this doesn't appear a contradiction, think churches should set an expectation of what the work of a preacher is based on 
what Paul said to Timothy, do the work of evangelist. Also, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all unsuffering and doctrine. So he's saying it's not all on the preacher's shoulders. And a lot of people, you've heard, we pay the preacher for that or that's his job. Yeah. The preacher needs to be doing that. Exactly right. And and also he mentions, you know, there have been, unfortunately, some very highly publicized, and I don't think they were true evangelists of the word, but there have been these televangelists and some of these folks that have made a name for themselves, and then it was discovered that they are real immoral people. Um, there's there's a guy that's in the news again here, uh, this fellow Ted Haggard from out in Colorado, who turned, uh, you know, he was very, very popular evangelical preacher. He had a church of thousands out there, I think, in Denver, Colorado, and it came out that he was involved in illicit homosexual sex and of course, he was disgraced. He's back in the news again. I supposedly reformed his life and so forth and so on. But I mean, when you get an episode like that, then some people assume, well, that's just the way preachers are. All preachers are like that. And that's, of course, a huge mistake. Most preachers are, I mean, the vast majority of, of, the, of those who are, tr- who are true Christians and truly preaching the word are, are, are faithful, dedicated, hardworking people. And it'd be a mistake to assume the worst of them just because there have been some highly publicized uh, faults out there. Stephen in Pennsylvania says churches have a tendency to abuse preachers by asking how little they can get by with paying them. Often congregations that have lots of money will support the preacher with as little as possible, oftentimes not providing them enough to support their family. They would have to get paid more than $30,000 to support a family. Most people lie within themselves because they believe the lie that they would not pay more than what they make, and it may be around 20000 thinking only in terms of how much money they have left over after all the bills are paid for. In reality, they are making $55,000 per year. If they were to pay as much as the preacher, they would they should be paying them just that amount. In addition, the preacher's money is often put back into their work by paying for study guides, commentaries, printer to print stuff off to do their work, etc. Dave Brewer also says that preachers have a fishbowl syndrome. We put a fish into a tank and put them onto display, and there is never a time at which the fish can't be hit, can be hidden. People will look at your life and pass judgment on a preacher based on the car he drives, the wife he is married to, and how talkative uh, they would term gossiper or how shy she may be, how well the kids behave, etc. Single individuals within the church may believe that they harness power over the preacher because some of their support goes to this individual and may ask him, ask them not to preach on truth. But the reality is that the church decision, and if the, that it is a church decision, if they don't want the preacher to preach truth, then the preacher needs to look for another congregation to work with. Extended family may also play a part into prohibiting the work of a preacher by u- utilizing emotion and not wanting them to move so far away because of their grandchildren. I am sure. There are more situations, and this, and for this reason, a preacher needs a tender heart and a shell of steel. Okay, a couple of good points, Stephen. A couple of things I want to talk there about is preachers' pay, and that's coming up in several of these things. But I think that is one of the abuses of preachers is that people don't take the time to be informed about the preacher's pay. And Stephen is making a good point here. People want to compare their take-home check to the preacher's gross pay. In other words, they're they're comparing their net pay to the preacher's gross pay. They see how much the preacher's paid. 
And they and they say, well, my check that I brought home from work on Friday was this much, and it's less than this much that the preacher's making. They don't take into account taxes have already been deducted from theirs. Social Security's already been deducted from theirs, and their employer has matched their Social Security contribution. Their employer has paid for their health insurance. Their employer has paid into some kind of a retirement account, uh, and all those benefits add up. Those those benefits are worth real value. Um, you may never see, and in fact, you don't. You don't ever see it in your take-home paycheck. But that's a a true monetary value that you receive for for your work. And so, I think it is an abuse of preachers when people take their their check, their their bring home pay, and compare it to the gross amount or the total amount that the preacher is being paid. And and that's that's comparing apples and oranges. And then some people want to get all worked up, you know, the preacher's making too much money or something like that, and they haven't even taken time to be really carefully informed about how uh, uh, how to make a true comparison there. All right. And then and then he mentions, you know, uh, uh, the fishbowl syndrome. People, I think, I think what he's saying there, typically people are more judgmental of the preacher and his family than they would be of other members, which is not fair. That's an abuse. And then uh, somebody thinks that, because the church pays the preacher, they have some uh, kind of uh, control over. Uh, they can tell him what to preach and what not to preach. That would certainly be an abuse. All Thank right. you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. And Jim Walsh in Mount Pleasant says the opposite of the first answer. Some folks, in order to ensure that preachers don't think more highly of themselves than they ought to, treat preachers without any respect. They ensure that preacher that a preacher is not given any special treatment and often go out of their way to treat preachers as less than others. Another problem is to assume that since some of the people you see on TV are always for money, that any preacher you meet is only interested in money. That's true. I think he's exactly right. Thank you, Jim. I think you're on the mark. We're just about out of time. We've got uh, Don says uh, abuses of preachers. He says the true preachers who preach truth will be talked about negatively and even be hated. You won't find any true preachers in the mega churches and only a few in the small ones. Preachers who preach predestination he says that is in the bible that's not in the bible we've talked about that we'll have to talk about that again but he says preacher he's saying uh preachers who preach things like predestination and that chris christmas is evil will be hated uh we've talked about christmas before too i'm not necessarily agreeing with don's positions here but what he is saying is that there are some topics that if preacher preached some topics and of course we're, we're assuming that these are true topics i don't agree with don's estimation about predestination uh, but sometimes preachers will be hated for teaching the truth if it is the truth, and, and that's an abuse for sure. Predestination is in the Bible. Let's not get – Oh, yeah, it, it, it is, but I don't think in the way that Don it's suggests. It's not Calvinistic predestination. Exactly right. We'll talk about that again. Okay. All, All right. right. Thank you, Don. Thanks thank, for Thanks for, for listening. Uh, and I got one more email. Well, it looks like maybe I got two more emails I need to get to real quick, Jacob. We're just out of time. Um uh, both of these from the same person, Tim, in Garland, Texas, says, in relation to this subject about preachers, is it the responsibility of the church to train preachers, or should we should, should we have personal evangelism? Should we endorse church colleges or ministries? Is there a passage that might help lead? Uh, here's a passage that might help lead the discussion. Uh, Romans 10, verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of salvation or good news of good things. 
uh, in answer to that question, I do think it is the church's job to train preachers. We ought to be de- developing men to do this job. I do not think it's the, the, the job of some secular organization to train preachers for the church. And I think whenever that has happened, it has typically caused problems. I think in the church we should be working to nurture and develop men who would be able to do this important work. He he sends another email, Tim from Garland, Texas, says, Preachers are sinners just as all are. Many individuals think of the preacher as a holier-than-thou sort of person, such as priests or pastors. They put them on a pedestal that if they sin, they are thrown down. There are unrealistic, ex, unrealistic expectations of preachers. They have their own personal problems, just as did Paul just as we are, as Paul did, he fought with the mind and body in Romans 7. So we understand, I think the point we want to take from that is preachers are people, and they they have to work with the, with the failings of, of the, their own lives as well. But we do, as you said, Jacob, I think we the preacher should make it a priority to be living an exemplary moral life, and if he's not... He's going to cause problems. And he's going to cause souls to be lost in hell because that will be the excuse that people use to not listen to the truth of the gospel. Not listen, not, They're not going to listen to him, but they're also going to deny the gospel because of the way that he lives. Exactly right. Thanks, Tim, for those emails. All right. Well, we've had a good discussion. We've gone over tonight, but we need to that, – that's what preachers do, isn't it? Yeah, preachers go long. Yeah. That's an abuse that they make of their <laughs> position. All right. Well, thank you for your discussion tonight, Deb. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from the discussion tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.